From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. How do, friends? Welcome to the program. What was the weather like where you are today? Wow. We had a torrential deluge. It was biblical. It was absolutely end of days kind of uh, a, of a downpour. But, of course, I don't know where you are, but we uh, we needed it in a big, big way. And uh, it must have uh, rained for four straight hours up uh, up in uh, Thornhill, Old Thornhill, where I reside these days. And uh, the mighty Aphrodite remains uh, over in uh, in the old country in Greece, coming home Monday, picking her up at the airport. It's been th- three weeks, man. I miss her. I miss her, and the uh, the little guys, of course, miss her too. Uh, spent the weekend. Saturday was a, just a scorcher. So. I said, I can't have five-and-a-half-year-old twins running around in the house all day. It was, uh, I thought it was just too hot for them to be running outside. So I went and I bought, I went to Canadian Tire, uh, which is our, uh, our our Walmart, for those of you listening stateside. And I, um, not quite, sort of. Anyway, I went to Canadian Tire and I bought myself, I bought the little guys a wading pool. This was a huge wading pool, uh, something like 12 feet in diameter and 36 inches high. And uh, so... Of course, I take this thing out, spent, I don't know, $129, but I, that doesn't matter. You know, it's hot. The boys got to cool off. So I, um, I unfurled this thing, and much bigger than I thought, dragged it out to the backyard, tried to find a level spot, and it turns out you've got a, there's an, sort of a, an inflatable ring around the pool that you've got to blow up, and took out the old hand pump, and um, standing there in 105 degrees, <laughs> Just giving her with this hand pump, and I must have pumped an hour and barely made a dent in this thing. Finally, about uh, about two hours later, I had the the, the outer ring uh, inflated, and then of course you start to fill the pool with the water. Meanwhile, the boys are standing there in their swimming suits, saying, "Is it ready yet? Is it ready yet?" Three hours later, they're in the water. Uh, splashing around, having a great old time, and of course, I am spent for the day. <laughs> uh, anyway, a good time was had by all. So, I hope you're keeping cool wherever you are, and we've got a cool one for you tonight, as always. Um, a couple of years ago, I'm down at the uh, Toronto, uh, the um, Canadian National Exhibition, the big CNE, uh, the the, uh, the grand old lady by the lake, and um, I was doing a remote broadcast for another radio station, uh, producing a radio, a talk show. And um, a couple of these uh, teenagers were sort of hanging around the uh, the mobile unit, big, um, like an RV. And they were dressed, how shall I say, in that goth uniform, you know, with the complete with the black fingernails and, and the black eyeshadow. And uh, they kind of waved me over because they knew I did this, uh, the weekly, uh, the weekend uh, show at the station, talking about what I talk about now. And they had something to get off their chest, and they told me about this experience they'd had with a Ouija board. And I don't know if they were pulling my leg. They seemed pretty uh, legit. They seemed quite frightened, actually. They told me that uh, a couple of years ago prior, they had bought a Ouija board. They uh, they took it home. They contacted. They thought the spirit world, they didn't like the message that came through, so they went out and they threw the Ouija board uh, out. They just threw it out. And about a week later, one of them opens up a closet, and there it is, sitting in the closet again. (laughs) 
So they, once again, they take uh, the Ouija board. This time they walk it across the street. There's a, uh, a shopping mall with one of those great big garbage bins out back. They tossed it in that. They figured, okay, that's it. It's gone. Again, a week later, somebody opens up the closet. There it is. They could not throw this Ouija board away. So finally, uh, they, they got online. They, they went on the Internet, and they found out the proper disposal procedure for a Ouija board, which is apparently, I think you burn it or something. Anyway, yes, they threw it into the fire, and that was the end of that. But uh, And they learned their lesson. Can you imagine throwing the Ouija board out, and then you find it comes back to you again and again? Well, we're going to talk about... Uh, Ouija boards tonight, or talking boards, as they used to be called. Um, now, of course, it's like Kleenex, right? It's a brand name, but that's the only name that you call tissues, Kleenex. Well, Ouija boards, that was one brand of talking boards. Now we call them all Ouija boards. We're going to get into Ouija boards. And who um, more credentialed than my next guest to discuss this? She joins us frequently on the program. Uh, tonight we get her for the full hour, and I'm delighted. She's the author of more than 50 books on paranormal and metaphysical subjects. Her latest is Ouija Gone Wild, Shocking True Stories. Rosemary Ellen Guiley, welcome to The Conspiracy Show once again. How are you? I'm doing great, Richard, and uh, we have such a fantastic topic tonight. I can't wait to get into it. Well, it's it's it is a fantastic topic. I'm I'm concerned about the proliferation of Ouija boards, uh, uh, how people tend to use them as toys, and we'll talk about that. I can't believe that they're being marketed at young people in popular toy stores for children. In fact, I've seen them there. But let's first of all let's go back and talk about the history of of the Ouija board for those people who've never even heard of them and as hard as that may be to imagine there may be some what is let's they used to be called talking boards it's, what is a talking board exactly that's the generic term and as you pointed out Ouija is a trademark name and it's become kind of a generic term but it's a, a board made out of wood or cardboard or some other material that has each letter of the alphabet on it the numerals 1 through 9 plus 0 and sometimes some of the words like yes and no, goodbye, um, kind of a shorthand like that for getting answer, yes or no answers to questions. And then it has a device, which is called a pointer or a planchette, uh, which is used to move around the board. And the idea behind the talking board is that you place your fingers lightly on the pointer or planchette, as, it, as it's called, uh, ask spirits to answer a question, and then allow the spirits to uh, theoretically move the, the pointer through your hands to spell out messages and to give numbers and to say yes or no. Uh, these devices have been in various forms for a long time. Uh, you know, human beings have used divinations for centuries, even millennia, to uh, consult spirits for answers. The Ouija board itself, in, in the form that most people know when they go to the store and, and buy a board, that's been around since uh, 1892. Wow. And do these things work? I mean, obviously, there, there, there is the potential for uh, manipulation if one of the people who has their fingers on the planchette uh, decides that they're you know, going to move it around wherever they want rather than letting the spirit move them. I mean, how can you sort of verify that the message coming through is not being manipulated by someone in the room? 
it's always tricky with different kinds of spirit communications evaluating the response. And yes, uh, certainly I think there are cases where people subconsciously um, move the planchette. They anticipate an answer or, or even in the back of their mind there's an answer they'd like to get. Uh, it's very hard to, to rule those cases out. But yet we have so many cases where uh, it's harder to explain away, where the planchette seems to take on a life of its own and literally zoom around the board so fast you can hardly keep your fingers on it. I've had cases like that where I know I'm not moving it, and I know the other person that I'm working with, uh, usually two people put their hands on the on the pointer, um, you wonder what's going on because the planchette seems to be operating through some other invisible external force. And yes, people do get accurate answers to questions, information that can be validated. Um, and then there are other communications where things are just totally off and people are given erroneous information that often influences them to do crazy and bizarre things and even commit crimes. The Ouija board has a very strange history. Rosemary Ellen Guiley is uh, with us. The uh, The book is Ouija Gone Wild, uh, Shocking True Stories. We should say the book was w- written with uh, Rick Fisher. Uh, now, how do you or who are you communicating with? Uh, do you do you have a, a clearer idea now than when you first started to research this? I mean, are we are you communicating with? Uh, the, the souls of the departed on some spiritual plane? Are you, are you perhaps, uh, being deceived and are you communicating with, with demons? Uh, who, who are you talking to? I think all of the above, Richard. Uh, there are cases where people have gotten, um, validated information that, uh, they've sought from people who've passed on. They want to communicate with a dead loved one, for example, and they get information that, uh, only they and certain family members would know or that would be very particular to that uh, that dead person. Uh, other people seem to have been in contact with uh, spiritual guides and they've channeled um, literary works, fictional works, inspired spiritual wisdom, uh, starting with the Ouija board and then usually advancing to some other form of uh, spirit communication that's a little faster than spelling things out letter by letter. Then there are these dark messages that seem to come from trickster spirits. They start out very friendly and, and good, and then once a person's trust has been gained, the messages get very dark and threatening, and people often start to have problems at home with nightmares and visitations and um, very unpleasant paranormal phenomena. So these seem to be more of a demonic nature. Uh, all spirit communications have the potential to go awry. Uh, there's nothing inherently bad about spirit communications or bad about talking boards. People can have all kinds of experiences, but it seems there are a lot of tricksters out there who like to get involved and turn things topsy-turvy. Have you uh, had a particularly harrowing experience with a Ouija board? I'm, I'm guessing that you have used Ouija boards on, on countless occasions. Can you share a, a story with me of an incident where your Ouija board went wild? I've had a, several experiences where communications have kind of gone unexpected and also taken a negative turn. I haven't had any as horrific as some of the ones that we describe in the book, fortunately, where people have been plagued in the home environment after a session has been over. 
But uh, in one particular case, uh, this was in Salem, and uh, I was with a group of friends staying in a haunted house, and uh, we invited one of the well-known uh, Salem warlocks, a Christian Day, who's very mediumistic, to come and do a seance with us. And he brought his his own Ouija board and a genuine human skull that he uses also as a tool for contacting spirits. And uh, Christian and I worked the uh, Ouija board uh, together, and... Um, we got some communication where the communicator identified herself as a little girl who had lived in the house. This was a house that went back to colonial days. Rosemary, let me interject here. We're going to pick up this story on the other side. The music is welling up underneath us. So when we come okay. back, we'll find out about this uh, Ouija board incident in Salem. And uh, this is starting to get creepy already. We'll, uh, we'll be back with Rosemary Ellen Guiley, paranormal researcher. Don't go away. travelers, vampire slayers, and alien abductees. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett continues. To talk to Richard, call 416-360-0740. Wow, what was that music coming back? David, that was that was frightening. That's There's the soundtrack for your summer. That certainly wasn't the Beach Boys, folks, let me tell you. Rosemary Ellen Guiley is with us, a paranormal researcher. And uh, again, over 50 books to her credit. Uh, she investigates haunted places, entity contact experiences, UFOs, mysterious creatures, spirit communication, and more. Spirit communication, that's what we're on about tonight with her new book, brand new book, Ouija Gone Wild, Shocking True Stories. Let's get back uh, to uh, Salem, Massachusetts. And uh, you're you're there with the, um, the, uh, the number one warlock, I guess, in them, their parts, and you're about to sit down to a Ouija board. Well, the pointer started moving very rapidly, uh, and this was one of those cases where I could hardly keep my fingers on, on the pointer as it zipped around. And The communicator identified itself as a little girl who uh, said she had lived in the house. Now, we didn't have the exact history of all the occupants of the home. We were renting it. It did go back to uh, colonial days, so um, there were probably many little girls who lived in the house. Um, and while this pointer was zipping around on the board, we started uh, hearing these bangings and thumpings on the walls, like something was inside the walls pounding uh, in the room, and these these uh, bangings went all the way around the room. So uh, some of the, the participants got rather spooked by all of this, and we're doing it at night, of course, uh, and uh, this is often what happens to people is, is um, there are manifestations of phenomena and uh, they, they can be quite unsettling to some people. But what happened then with us is typical of many sessions as well. The communication begins to disintegrate and instead of getting coherent words, you start to get uh, gibberish. And after a while, nothing makes sense and the energy either winds down or you just uh, lose patience with it and, and end the session. And uh, that's what happened with us. So sessions often start out good and an energy builds and things manifest and, um, and then things sort of unexpectedly dissolve. Many people still remain unsettled by that and I think this is where some of their problems come in. 
they get spooked by the phenomena, they can't get it out of their heads, they keep thinking about it over and over again, and uh, they become uh, susceptible to um, to a lot of things that might be lingering in the psychic atmosphere, so to speak. Another communicator uh, that I have experienced periodically is an entity who calls itself Zaza, Z-A-Z-A. And this seems to be a variation of a, a communicator who is also known as Zozo. And uh, this is a very negative, nasty entity uh, who has shown up uh, literally hundreds of times. Um, and that's all, you know, it, it may even be more than that, but just documented cases. Um, and again, as as uh, disguised as some someone friendly uh, with helpful information and maybe even nice and entertaining, and uh, then as as the sessions go on, unmasks itself as a very threatening uh, entity uh, and makes dire predictions like somebody's going to die, uh, the entity's going to to get the people who are using the board. And uh, things like that. Well, once uh, you once you use a Ouija board, if, if you use it just once, and let's say Zaza or Zozo uh, shows up, or or you know makes themselves known, have you essentially opened a portal? Have you is that like an invitation, and now they can walk through anytime they want? Well, anytime you uh, engage in spirit communications, whether you're using a board, um, uh, Frank's box, um, dowsing rods, uh, even automatic writing, or mediumship, you are opening a doorway to the spirit world and inviting something to come through that doorway and interact with you. Um, when the session is closed, that usually ends the opening and... Uh, you, you no longer have a link to anything that you've connected with. But in some cases, and a lot of it depends on the individuals and the environment and uh, sometimes subconscious fears or anxieties people bring to any spirit communications, uh, the link is never completely shut off. And uh, spirits seem to have continuing access to a person they can attach in some ways. And the attachments might be temporary. They might go away after a while. In some cases, uh, they can be quite persistent. And people start having ongoing psychic attack problems. And uh, Rick and I document some of those, especially with the Zozo phenomenon in the book. All right. When I opened the show, I was talking about uh, these young uh, goths who came up to me and told me about their misadventure with the Ouija board. Uh, again, I don't know that they were they, they weren't pulling my leg, although I they seemed frightened when they were retelling the story and they couldn't get rid of the Ouija board. They threw it out. It came back to them. Have you have you heard stories similar to this? Many times, and from many independent sources, so it's it's hard to ignore because I have encountered it so frequently over the years. Spirits do uh, have the ability to move objects around, and I've had this happen to me in the course of my investigations. I've had things disappear and reappear. I've had objects I didn't even own appear. Uh, and it gets very hard to explain them away naturally. And in fact, I even have uh, I have a, a small collection of Ouija boards. I've got about seven or eight of them, and um, the oldest one is goes back to the 1960s. It's not real old, but um, one of the older ones I call my haunted board because uh, its pointer went missing for a couple of years, and then mysteriously reappeared in the box. 
and I have absolutely no explanation for how that happened. So I can um, I can lend credence uh, to some of these stories about trying to dispose of a board and not being able to. Now the thing about burning boards, uh, some of the older boards were made out of masonite, which is uh, very resistant to burning, and that may be the case for stories about, you know, oh, it was a demon board because I couldn't get it to burn, you know, that sort of angle. And by the way, it's been Hollywood that has really promoted the whole demon angle. Um, The board really uh, was considered an entertainment device for decades and decades. But um, other people have have tried to dispose of it. They've, They've thrown it away into garbage. Um, They've even broken it into pieces and thrown it away. The pieces show up again. Um, very mysterious what happens there. And, and so the occult explanation would be the spirits bring it back. Uh, let's talk about uh, the Ouija board's involvement in particular murder cases. There have been some very strange ones over um, over the decades, uh, cases where people have been incited to uh, commit murder or attempt to commit murder uh, because the Ouija board... Uh, told them to, that someone needed to die. Um, there have been cases where spouses have asked, asked the spirits on the board if their um, spouse is cheating on them. They get a yes answer, so it enrages them and, and they attempt uh, homicide. We, we have cases of jury members consulting Ouija boards about whether or not somebody is guilty. Now that's a very scary thought to me. It is, and, I, and hopefully grounds for a mistrial. Are not being <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping that's grounds for a mistrial. <laughs> uh, there was a very strange case in uh, America in the 1930s where uh, a woman thought her husband was having an affair with her neighbor, and the spirit said, yes, he is, and he's promised to give her all this money. So she and her daughter... Uh, tie him up in the basement and torture him. Oh, my. Uh, beat him up and um, subject him to a, a shock with electrical wires and to, to try and get him to confess that he's having this affair. And he denies it. The man evidently was not having an affair. And he managed to escape. They caught him, brought him back to the basement, start torturing him again. And uh, he was able to break free, and this time he was enraged, and he killed his wife. So he was charged with homicide. And uh, in the trial, all of this came out uh, and about the Ouija board, and uh, he was acquitted. Uh, that um, it, it, uh, it was ruled that he, he was justified in his actions. Uh, so it, here's, here's sort of the, the twisted turn on the case is that she gets erroneous information about him and attempts to, to kill him and he winds up killing her in the process. Uh, that's one of the strangest cases on record. Oh my. Uh, now, has, has a Ouija board ever been used to solve a crime? Yes. Uh, in the early part of the 20th century, um, there were cases reported in the news about um, information being obtained on Ouija boards that would help find missing people, missing objects, uh, stolen property, 
and uh, even murder cases. But whether or not that evidence was ever really admissible as such in court, um, that remains a, a much more murky situation. Um, but at least the information gave leads that did lead to the solving of some crimes. Um, when the Ouija board came out in 1892, uh, it was marketed as uh, an entertainment device, as uh, you know, a way to contact spirits. People didn't have to go and, and consult professional mediums. They had um, the power of, of being a medium right at home, and many people started using them. Uh, there was a lot of publicity about uh, the board, and... Um, it was a novelty, and that propelled it into the headlines. So we, we have a lot of these strange cases. But I'll bet you today uh, nobody would want to admit that they were using a Ouija board to, to solve a crime uh, because so many people think the board is a problematic device. And that's really an erroneous uh, image that um, has unfortunately gotten into pop culture through um, the, what I call the demonization of the board in film and fiction. But I mean that. But that risk is certainly there. I mean, as we've as we've discussed. Well, it certainly is, Richard. And this is a part of the peculiar history of the Ouija board. One of the reasons why Rick and I wanted to do this book is we thought the board really had gotten in recent years an unfair rap with people associating it with bad things and bad entities, when overall, uh, if you look at the whole history of the board, it's, it's really not so. Uh, but it does have this dark underbelly to it, and uh, that could very well be the, the way it's been used by people, the things they approach it for. And also, I, I think in many of these cases where uh, crimes have been committed or people have you know, entered into legal things that were bad for them or divorced people and whatever because the board told them to, uh, it may very well be that they're inclined to do something anyway and they're looking for any sort of validation to give them permission to do so. Uh, there's um, a couple of instances you cite in the book, Ouija Gone Wild, in which it, the board was used to locate missing persons. Uh, there was a case of uh, Walter Moriarty back in 1920. Um, deserted his wife, two children. Deserted his wife, and the Ouija board told her uh, where to find him. Now, in some of these cases, the, the board is right, and in others, it winds up being kind of a dead end. But it's very peculiar where the board says, yes, you can find him uh, in such and such a place. And I think she went to the police and, and enlisted their uh, help as well. Um, there are several cases like that I'm... Uh, Oh, there's, Sorry, the details of the Moriarty case escape me at the moment. Yeah, no, it was uh, it's just a, a very small entry here. But he was in uh, he was in New York, according to the Ouija board. Mrs. Moriarty remembered her husband had friends in New York. Police in New York were asked to investigate, and they found and arrested Mr. Moriarty right where Ouija said he would be. Oh, that yes, that's right. Yes, and there have been other cases where the, the Ouija board said, well, it's you know you can find the person in such and such a place. And um, it winds up being a dead end. But in that case, it was right on. So what gives here, where nobody really knew where the man was, and so where did this information come from? Was it a helpful spirit? Was it um, uh, some sort of, um, you know, data bank in, in the cosmos? 
Um, it's it's very hard to explain these things away as manipulation and imagination. Indeed. Uh, when we come back, let's talk about uh, uh, Grace Kelly, who is uh, very interested in uh, Ouija boards, and we'll also find out the mystery of Orob. Rosemary Ellen Guiley, paranormal researcher, discussing Ouija gone wild, shocking true stories. We'll get yours as well. Phone lines available to you. Stay tuned for the numbers. Back with more. Don't go away. The truth is not out there. It's right here. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. And if you have an experience with a Ouija board, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, it can be a negative experience, a positive experience. Uh, welcome back. Richard Serrett with you here on The Conspiracy Show. Rosemary Allen Guiley is uh, with us. Ouija Gone Wild, Shocking True Stories. Uh, the book is written with Rick Fisher. And uh, as you point out in the book, Rosemary, many of the early uh, history cases of the Ouija board were collected by uh, Rick uh, as a result of his own Ouija experiences. Now, back in 97, he had, he had contact with a spirit claiming to be a Native American, and this communicator gave the unlikely Indian name of Orop. Tell us about this. Orop was uh, a woman who said she had uh, lived between 1784 and 1840. And some of the details that she offered about herself seemed to make sense. That is, um, she sort of corroborated herself. She didn't give contradictory information. And she said she had lived in a a place called Chickies. Now, Rick lives in central Pennsylvania. He's a longtime paranormal investigator and we worked together on many projects. And um, Rick had never heard of Chickie's Rock, but it turned out to be a very real place uh, and had quite a bit of Native American lore associated with it and also a, a lot of haunting lore. It's a big bluff uh, over the Susquehanna River. And uh, she said she had uh, lived there and she had two children and uh, talked in some detail about her diet and her lifestyle with very strange spellings. There were a lot of OPs in her word and uh, words and her name even uh, being Orop, a very unlikely Native American name. Uh, but that's the case with the, the Ouija board communications that, um, uh, they seem to be very unusual sometimes, and there's no way to verify whether or not an Orop ever actually existed. But she gave the name of a place that turned out to be real that he had never heard of and which became a very important site for his future investigations. Now, uh, one day uh, he asked her if uh, she would actually show up for him uh, if he went to Chickie's Rock, uh, which he manifest in some way for him. And uh, she said um, that uh, he should bring her a flower as a gift and she would bring him an arrowhead as a gift. So he went to Chickie's Rock at the appointed time and nothing happened, but he had forgotten to take the flower. So uh, he gets back on the board when he gets home and, and says, um, uh, he asked, oh, where was Arrowhead? You know, like, what happened to you? And the answer he got back was, where was Flower? Oh, my. 
Uh, now, when she decided to stop communicating with him, he felt very sorry. He was sad. He felt like he was getting to know someone who was on the other side or in some other dimension. Uh, she wanted to be reunited with her children, apparently, and um, seemed to be separated from them somehow in the afterlife. Well, Rick went on to have a lot of other communications with personalities, and some of them had stranger stories than others. Some seemed to be very, what we would consider normal historical stories of people who lived in the past. But none of them came up with information that he could historically track down. And that doesn't mean that that they aren't real. Uh, It just may mean that the records are unobtainable or don't exist. We just have no way of of a knowing. All right. Now, we'll, one of the, sorry, uh, I was just going to say we'll, we'll we'll get to some phone calls here in a moment, but um, um, we're, we're just going to get ready to take a time out. But I just want to tease a little bit about what's going to come up. I want to talk about Grace Kelly. She was a fan of of the Ouija board. She this was well known that she she was involved in in uh, spirit communication. I didn't know that about her. It got reported in the news media, and uh, this was, um, well, it was surprising and not surprising because um, so many people considered the Ouija board entertainment, but she did like to use the Ouija board to uh, ask about her horse betting, and uh, this was reported in the entertainment news, and what wasn't reported was whether or not she ever won anything on the advice of the board. Mm. Was Prince Renier uh, aware of this interest in the Ouija board? He probably was. The one article that uh, we were able to find about this uh, didn't say what his opinion was, but um, uh, she shared this interest with uh, the wife of the actor Cary Grant. Her name was Betsy, and the two of them would get together and uh, get their horse betting advice. Uh, and this was considered to be kind of silly entertainment. Uh, Cary Grant knew about it. Uh, and um, I'm gathering, though, that there was never any indication through the Ouija board to Grace Kelly about how uh, how she would die? or If there ever was, it was never reported. And uh, there have been Ouija board cases, by the way, where deaths have been accurately predicted. Well, we can touch on that when we come back. Rosemary Ellen Guiley, Ouija Gone Wild, Shocking True Stories. Stay with us. Fasten your seatbelt and put your tray in the upright position. You're about to leave everything you know behind on The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. Again, we're here with Rosemary Ellen Guiley, and it's uh, Ouija Gone Wild, Shocking True Stories. Uh, we'll get to yours right now, and we'll begin with David in Toronto. Hello, David. Welcome. Hello, Mr. Serrett. Uh, long-time listener, first-time caller. I appreciate it. Welcome aboard. Uh, Miss Guiley, first a uh, little story about Ouija boards. Back in high, when I was in high school, which is years ago now, uh, my buddy built his own, and he tried to contact his brother, who died in a, by a drunk driver when he was eight years old, when he was using it, a whole bunch of weird stuff started happening in the house. People were visibly shaken that were that attended that night. And he claimed to see shadow people after in the house. Um, to So it, a spirit board or a talking board does open portals, but can they stay open first? 
they might stay open depending upon how the board has been used and um, what is attracted to the particular session. And the big wild card is human consciousness. Some people are more mediumistic than others, and they've they've got kind of a, a natural portal almost all the time, which can be activated. And when you augment it with something like uh, a session with a, a major tool, uh, that can heighten the link. Um, in Ouija Gone Wild, we have um, a whole chapter on shadow people. Uh, I had quite a few cases reported to me where people said pretty much the same thing. They they had sessions that just sort of took a dark turn, and the shadow people manifested in the room both during the session and lingered afterward. And uh, in some cases, people had uh, a period of um, nightmares and disturbances, poltergeist effects, um, and they, some of them had to struggle to, to get past it and to close the door. Uh, in these particular cases, it may be the individuals themselves who are more vulnerable than, than other people to um, spirit attachment, and in the right environment and the right opportunity, something happens. Most people are going to, to use a spirit communications device and not have those kinds of issues. All right, David, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right, let's go next to Virginia in Niagara. Hello, Virginia. Welcome. Hi. Um, I want to talk about Luigi Boards, but I must just tell you something first. My father's sister, my aunt, used to be a psychic for the British royal family of her time. Ah, wow. There was a lot of psychic in my family, and I've spoken with you before. I think you know about that. Yes, yes. Well, it's 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 not so well known that uh, that Queen Victoria uh, was. It wasn't Queen Victoria. No, Queen. I I understand, but Queen Victoria was very interested in the spirit world. The and whole family, all the yes, royals are. St- still to this day, amazing, interesting. Um, my story, I after my father had just died. Um, this man came up to me, who I'd never met, and asked me if we could talk. And I was dubious. And so we went to a couple of places, and then I took him to my apartment. And he um, lay on the floor, and he created a Luigi board. And he put it on, and the, we couldn't keep this. We had a, a glass upside down. We couldn't keep it on. It just went crazy and knocked everything flying. And he got cross, and he said, Virginia's father asked me to come to her, not the rest of you. Get lost. And he said to me, a lot of your friends have recently gone, and they've left you things, and you've got them all in this room, and they're all trying to get talking with you, and they're not working together, and I want to come with your father. And then it settled down, and he gave me some information about my father, which was very accurate, and I had to work on. But the funny part was he fell asleep, so I put a pillow under his head and a blanket around him and covered him tightly. And now the only way he can get out, uh, we were several stories high, and the only way he can get out was through the door, and there was only a lock. It was an old lock, and you could, I had to use the key inside and outside to get in. When I got up in the morning, he was gone, but it was as though he had just evaporated. The, the blankets were still there with the marks I put in them around him he had just gone and the door had not been opened my word and i asked several of my friends if they knew he was and nobody seemed to know the other thing that amused me afterwards when i thought about it 
He never had anything to eat and drink. He always passed it to me to eat and drink. Wow. What do you think? that? So do you think that was a ghost, uh, Virginia, that you'd invited in? Could be. I really don't know. It was something that was very unusual, but I've had a lot of unusual things happen in my family, and we've discussed them. We and have, indeed. I think indeed. it was something that he maybe brought, sent over to communicate with me. I don't think it was um, of the earth. Virginia, thank you for sharing that wonderful story. Remarkable. Well, it sort of scared me a lot, but I, I'm not the scared sort. I've had a lot of phenomena happen. Well, I uh, look forward to you sharing some more in the future. What do you make of that, Rosemary? It's very hard to come up with an explanation for a story like that. It's uh, very unusual. There's, there's just simply no explanation for it. Uh, there are manifestations of spirit where uh, they seem to be real people, and uh, they do interact with the living for a period of time, and then suddenly they're gone. They've fulfilled their purpose, and that's it. You mentioned, uh, or our, a previous caller, David, mentioned uh, shadow people. Um, what about uh, the jinn? This is an area that, uh, I mean, you are really on the on the forefront of researching into uh, the vengeful jinn, the title of one of your more recent books. Uh, are there uh, cases where people have used a Ouija board and then reported uh, having some sort of a genie or jinn infestation in their home? There are uh, entities that I think are jinn. Uh, most people don't call them jinn because a lot of people in the West don't know what the, the jinn are or genies. Uh, but um, in, in the chapter that we have, Who Are the Communicators?, we do discuss uh, the presence of the jinn. And um, I am convinced that shadow people are a, a form that the jinn take uh, when they want to come and cause uh, human beings trouble. Uh, the the spirit, trickster spirits who like to interfere, who like to be nice and then nasty, cause problems, and even manifest in the environment with poltergeist disturbances, uh, are all characteristics of jinn. So some people might call them demons or astral spirits uh, or evil spirits, uh, but um, uh, they may be, in fact, uh, Jin, who could be just having a joke on us to wanting to uh, to torment people. What about Ouija boards or talking boards used for treasure hunting? I know you write about that in Ouija Gone Wild. Well, there's a number of kinds of treasure hunting, and we have some cases in the book where uh, the Ouija board told people where treasure was buried. And uh, there was one case where two teenage girls went out uh, into, um, you know, frigid conditions in the wintertime and disappeared uh, because uh, they were uh, they were going to go find the treasure. Then we have another case of a, a man who was told where to dig for treasure, and um, he he dug and the the earth collapsed in on him and he was killed. Um, then we have the treasure hunting through the lottery. Uh, will the Ouija board give winning lottery numbers? And we have cases where um, winning numbers are given in a couple couple of instances for small wins, and so people keep uh, consulting the board and keep betting, and then the numbers go bad. Uh, they they don't 
went out. In fact, Rick had one of those cases himself where just for a lark, he asked uh, for a pick three um, combination and got the numbers, didn't buy a ticket, and the numbers turned out to be the winning numbers. So um, he went and told his co-workers about it, and everybody got excited and wanted the Ouija board to predict the next pick three win, uh, and they were all going to bet on it. So he got three more numbers, and uh, the, the numbers didn't win. It was like, ha-ha, I had a joke on you. Now, are there do's and don'ts for using a Ouija board? I mean, have you... Uh, are you able to provide us with um, sort of a, a a list of things that you shouldn't do when you're using a Ouija board and things that you should do? Yes, we have uh, a chapter and an appendix as well of tips for uh, grounded use with the Ouija board. And some of them are just common sense things, like you, you shouldn't use one, uh, you know, if, if you've had um, alcohol or, or any sort of recreational uh, stimulant, so to speak. It's not a good idea uh, because you're not very well grounded. Um, if you're tired, if you're not in good health, um, if you're just trying to entertain yourself, and this is where a lot of young people, uh, I think, make trouble for themselves, is uh, they want to be entertained, they want to be scared, they do a lot of provoking, oh, let's see what you've got, you know, scare us, that sort of thing. Um, and if you make contact with the spirit world, there are, there are spirits who will oblige you. They will be happy to scare you. You'll get what you ask for. Um, so... Uh, any kind of spirit communication should be approached with common sense to um, to ask for specific information or a specific contact. If um, things get out of hand, to to be firm, to close the session. Uh, a lot of people bring anxiety and subconscious fear to any sort of spirit communication. And uh, this is why I recommend that they not be used in paranormal investigation, uh, simply because people have um, bizarre reactions themselves to the Ouija board. They're afraid of spirit communication. And that sort of atmosphere invites problems as well. Um, Closing a session is very important. You end it. Uh, and instruct uh, all the communicators to uh, to remain in, on their side, that they are, are not to stay in the physical environment. Another thing that people need to do is to shut their minds off about the session, not to go over it and over it in their heads, uh, replay it constantly, uh, think about it, um, especially if, if they've been a little frightened uh, about it because these sorts of things invite a continuing link. If you've had a um, some sort of a nasty entity communicating with you through the Ouija board, what do you do? Uh, you stop the session immediately. How do you how do you make sure that there's no further uh, involvement with that entity? How I handle that when that's come up, and it comes up in various kinds of spirit communications too, is I tell the entity to stop, to go away, uh, that it's not welcome. And if it if it does not, uh, then I end the session. And uh, I just end it very firmly. 
and uh, I uh, instruct everything to go away, and I bring it to a close. And also that nothing is to stay, nothing is to linger in the environment or with any uh, individual present. And uh, then it's it is important to bring your own body energy field to a close as well, to uh, to sh- shut down your consciousness, so to speak, to to end that link. Very and quickly, Rosemary. Final question: the proper disposal of an unwanted Ouija board. Putting it in the garbage, um, throwing it in an incinerator, removing it from the premises is the best way to to simply get rid of it. If it comes back? Do it over and over again, and uh, if it keeps coming back, uh, give it to some, find someone who's knowledgeable about the paranormal and um, uh, objects that have spirit attachments to them and hand it over to them. Rosemary, uh, thank you for Ouija Gone Wild, shocking true stories. Always great to talk to you. Thank you, Richard. And uh, don't forget my website, visionaryliving.com. Excellent. Visionaryliving.com. So long. Thank you. Good night. Good night. And don't forget my website, richardserrett.com.